Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. crying and be cussing people out. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Do you have a microphone out here because I've got something to say? You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Molly Spartan, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. I am looking right now at Molly Spartan's webcam and the wallpaper behind Molly looks Excuse like me. the opening of Toy Story. Excuse me, this is not wallpaper, I hand-painted this. <gasps> you hand-painted it? Very much. Yes, wow. I made a stencil and everything, and then I did it all myself. What you can't see is the fact that there's actually glitter in the clouds. So when the sun's in, there's like this gold shine on the clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was really bored at lockdown and decided to turn your room into the Toy Story room. That's what happened. Are you a Disney fan? Oh, well, yeah, I'm a massive... I'm, I think everybody's secretly a Disney fan. I'm not like... Disney fan, because there are a lot of them that are, like, a bit much. Um, but I have my ones that I am I really love. Like, my favourite's Mulan, because she was a girl that could do anything the boys could do and basically was like, get it up, yeah, and did what she wanted to do, which is kind of what I've done all my life. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I went to Disney. When, when we went over my first WrestleMania, I was in Orlando to go see and we went to Disney, and I was kind of cool the whole time. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then Mulan, the actress that plays Mulan, kicking about the park, walked out, and I became a 10-year-old girl, just being like, oh, I have Mulan, and I just said hello. <laughs> um, so I was fine until I seen that, and then I fell apart. But, yeah, massive. But, like, Toy, like, Pixar was, like, just came out when I was, like, a kid. Like, I missed it. I think I was, like, six or something when the first Pixar came out I remember going to the cinema with my dad and watching the first Toy Story and going to see A Bug's Life and going to see and like it being the local little cinema where I grew up um, that's no longer there anymore but like the fun memories of going there and getting the popcorn and like the little bubblegum little sweetie bottles for the shop next door and um, before going to see a film with my dad which was uh 
thoughts on the to go back to Mulan thoughts on the remake uh, I haven't managed to get through five minutes of it without my husband switching it off because I won't stop moaning oh no like Is they're it? so like yeah like yeah they're so like even this I was just like nope 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 so I've, I've not actually watched it all because yeah I got within five minutes I was already just been like what what are you talking about that's not no that's not and then my, like you switched off and was like we'll watch this another time when you're ready to deal with this <laughs> <laughs> I like how every every few months there's like a little acid test as to like is is today the day? It's not. We're too soon. We 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 overstepped. We overstepped. Maybe next month we'll do six minutes and we'll see how we. So go. we're trying. So what we're we're doing now is obviously during lockdown we've decided we're doing Disney with dinner. So every night um, that we're in the same house eating dinner, we'll watch a Disney. So we started from Snow White and we've made our way up. Um, We've just finished watching Hercules. So we're in the 90s. And the 90s ones are just killer. Like, they're just... That's when Milan was out, Aladdin, Lion King, Hercules. Like, it's a good era to be in the now, but just watching them through. But, like, it's terrified when the Fox and the Hound sort of came up because I remember being eight and, like breaking my heart in my own bedroom to its VHS, being like, why, why can't they be friends? Why can't they be friends? And in my theories, I'm doing the same. So nothing changed. Um, but yeah, we've we've still not managed to to get through the remake of Milan yet. It's it's still a tasty subject. What's been the best combination of a Disney film and a dinner? Oh. So I want the Disney film and the corresponding dinner. Well, see, we watched, I had steak when I watched Lion King, which I felt was, like, Scar is my favourite. Like, I think, like, I, I struggle between Scar and Hades, I think, are the most entertaining villains. I think Frollo for the Hunchback of Notre Dame is the most true villain. He's he's just a dick the whole way through. Um, like that, they, they're so true. I think my favourite looking one is uh, Rattigan from... Um, uh, the Great Mouse Detective, because that's a that's an underrated classic. Um, sort of Vincent Price as the voice of Rattigan is just incredible. Um, but yeah, I think steak watching Lion King and then watching the death of Mufasa um, while eating a steak was like my villainous ways coming through as a touched and be like, yeah, yeah, it's your fault, Simba, and just. <laughs> <laughs> laughing with steak hanging out your mouth like yes yeah, yeah. it's not Run. star's fault there was a drought i'm just saying that it wasn't his fault a drought <laughs> came right uh we are sadly not here to talk about disney and dinner but i feel like that's a whole separate podcast in itself i think it's something people should adopt because it's been great well we're, i'm going to suggest it off the back of this i'm going to suggest it because me and the good lady we tend to like do the thing where we spend ages looking for something to watch after we've had dinner but uh, we have we we did the mcu thing last year mm -hmm. where we went from from beginning to end and we did all that and we did it with the, the DC universe the best way we can. It's a little bit windy. Yeah. Um, and then and we sort of cherry picked other series of stuff. But in terms of like, like not, not there hasn't been a consistent effort to get through all the Disney films. And we because kind of cherry picked. There's, there's, like, there's like an animation collection section in Disney where they've 
they've put it all in order of animation. So you go all the way from the 1940s mm. through, and then there's a while. And the thing is, there's a new one added now. So even when we get to the end, it's going to be a new one that neither of us have ever seen. Um, oh, but yes, Raya and the Dragon. The Raya yeah, and the Last Dragon one. Like, is that interesting thing of like, why did you love this one? Or like, also like, very questionable things that you look back and are just like, like why you like certain characters and I'm just like, yeah, because she didn't mean no man. It's usually my 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 love of a character, <laughs> a female character. Um but yeah, it's 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 been good and it's been sort of looking at also the progression because like even watching for the 1940s, probably through to like 1970, like there's points where you can still see like scratchy outlinings of like animations drawing and it's really interesting seeing the progressive progression of the quality of animation as well from way back in the 1940s up till even into the early 80s how dramatic 40 years changes it's little stuff like that that you appreciate as you you know as you get older whereas as a kid you probably just watch it and enjoy the story but as you're older mm-hmm. you go actually i appreciate the the art style of this and the way that this oh, yeah. is done and you know and, and it's nice to watch that transition if you're watching them all the way through but like that's, yeah. another, that's another podcast for another time that is another okay. point oh before before actually do the dinners correspond with the disney all the time or is it just whatever's... no no they don't always correspond with the disney all the time um, because then that'd be even more effort than what I put into dinners anyway. And I'm a good cook. Like, I'm a very good cook, but, um, yeah, they don't correspond. But I think if there was... I think if I could get it to correspond, I probably would. You're not going to make me think about dinner too much. Cotton chips during Finding Nemo. Oh. We're, we're Scottish, so it's more haddock and chips up here than cod. Haddock and chips would be more for <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Um, We're sending you onto a desert island where you could probably catch your own haddock, Molly. I'll give it a go. Yeah, I think it'd be great. And while you're there, we're going to give you a DVD with three wrestling matches to watch, to enjoy. And okay. you're going to pick the three wrestling matches over the course of the next hour or however long we are together. And these are matches not necessarily that like five-star classics according to dave Meltzer, but they can be uh, matches that have significance to you uh, of a time or whatever uh, it's completely up to you what these matches are what would you like your first one to be molly um okay let's kick off with well as a female professional wrestler i might as well get the girls out guns are blazing um, the first match I would like to be on that DVD would be Kaylee Ray versus Miko Satamura at Wrestle Queendom for Pro Wrestling Eve, um, which was in York Hall on the 5th of May 2018. Straight away, Miko Satamura pushing Kaylee Ray into the corner. And also, where she defeated Emmy Sakura. And again, all of those matches available on Eve on demand. Look at the. That, that face. Well, let's talk about this. Last month. Kaylee Ray went up against Dash Chisako. Dash Chisako, a protege of Mako Satamora and Satamora's home promotion of Sendai Girls. Satamora, Satamora's protege, Dash Chisako, was defeated by Kaylee Ray. Dash Chisako is called the Hardcore Queen. Kaylee Ray is called the Hardcore Daredevil. And Kaylee Ray came on top of that. Kaylee Ray sent a message to Mako Satamora. She can beat her one of her top protégés 
she can beat Mako Salamora. And this was important, Mako Salamora, sorry, Kaylee Ray, of course, at the end of that event as well, took the microphone, which is unusual for her, mm -hmm. you know, and spoke about how she doesn't want to just be known as someone that has good wrestling matches and against certain opponents, because the fact that Kaylee Ray is one of the best in the world. You know, this is an international dream class for a reason. She wants to be recognized as the best in the world, which is what Mako Satamora is. Absolutely. What I know of this match is the nightmare journey that Kaylee Ray had oh. on the day. Which is one of the reasons why I picked it, because um, I'm very lucky to sort of say that Kaylee is a close friend of mine that I've had the honour of actually training with her. And I truly think one of the reasons why I've progressed at such a rate I have, especially over this sort of period, is being friends with someone like that who's been able to sort of help me along the way in a safe environment, of course, um, and over online and stuff like that to get where I am just now. But, like, knowing that both herself and my tag partner, Casey, were due to be on a flight and were going on the flight when it got cancelled, and then having to get taken off that flight, knowing that you're going to wrestle Miko Satamura that day, um, then rushing into the nearest sort of rental place, having no cars available, and then just going, well, what's that? And a transit van sitting outside to then go, give me the keys, and then for them to drive, not through just Scotland, but through the, the entirety of England, pretty much, to get there, while the show has started to then be able to go out and absolutely nail this to a point where, like, one of the reasons why I'm picking this is because it's the last match. Like, I had Wrestle Kingdom sort of streaming when it was being broadcast. And we're all guilty, 100% we're all guilty at double screening these days. Like, we've all got other things that distract us from what we're meant to be paying attention to. Um, so at the time I watched it and I knew it was a great match and things, but I, it was only recently, and I mean, like when I say recently, I'd say maybe five months ago that I actively went, I'm going to go watch this match again. I'm going to put everything off. I'm going to cast things aside. I'm going to actively watch a match. And I'm trying my best to watch an independent professional female match, be it I've watched some backyard promotions to some really high quality ones that I didn't even know really existed in Australia and, 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 and many places to then just focus on it and sort of see like what's trending the now, what's what who's who's really sort of picking up steam. And actively usually what I'll do is I'll go for a bath and I'll put that on my phone and I'll watch it. But I decided this was the match I was going to watch this night. So I sat in my living room, I put everything aside and I played this match. And by the end of it I was in tears. I was crying and I text Kaylee just going, mate, uh, I just watched your match and uh, you're really good at the wrestling, just just so you know. Um, I'm currently crying because it was the wee bow at the end just broke me and I was in tears just going like, my pal's really good at this. She, she's in the place she should be. Like, I hope Miko, and at that point I was like, I hope Miko follows her too. And lo and behold they now are like they've had that absolutely killer match again for NXT UK which 150% should have been a takeover classic at some point I hope it is even still um but yeah for her to go through 
that journey to get to that show, how dedicated they were to just get to that show, to then rush in, get ready, and absolutely knock out the park with someone like Miko Satomura, which of course you're going at like if I knew I had a match with Miko Satomura, I'd be like I'd probably go down the day before like I'd be there so like, okay, let's do this. Like, because she is so revered that you don't you want to be able to at least tickle her level. You don't have to be like she is on a whole other level, but I feel like Kaylee that day sort of showed that she's on her level, if not maybe even slightly past it, because they are two of the greatest performers on the planet today. And that's got nothing to do with gender. And there'll be so many people that can totally back that up with both of them. Like Pete Dunn himself brought over Miko so he could wrestle her to Fight Club. And um, Kaylee's had countless matches with multiple people because they're like, I want to wrestle her. It's got nothing to do with she's a she, so let me wrestle her. It was, she's so good at what she does. I want to be in the ring. And the reason why you want to be in the ring with people is so that you can learn, that you can find out what their magic is and could that magic rub off on you. Um, but this match just, it was just, it was so just, it was just bloody good. And it just showed that it had, I it, I'm getting all emotional because it's that wee bow. The wee bow at the end just broke me and I was just like, my pal's really good at this and they're both great and they should be on a much larger stage, which they are now. And yeah, there's there's going to be a point where, like I hope that there's like a, I really want, a, and of course I'm saying this, it's just biased. Like I want to take over like Glasgow or take over Scotland someplace. Because if that match could happen there, it would be absolutely killer. Because not only would you have the home crowd advantage with Kaylee, but people would travel to like Glasgow and Scotland because it's quite easy to get to and it's quite easy to stay in. Like it's quite cheap to stay in. Like I think Glasgow's quite cheap to stay in Glasgow. So folk would flood to come to this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I hope that that could be it. Plus, it'd be nice to see Miko in Scotland and we could get her a butter pizza. Because a buttered pizza, she, you know what I mean? She can bring some Japanese cuisine over and we can show her buttered pizzas and take a <laughs> stuff. That sounds perfect. When yeah. you, um, you, you said you got emotional at the end of the match and even talking about it then, you got a bit emotional then. What moment were you thinking of in your head that made you well up just a bit then? Is there a moment in that match that, that just makes you go, oh, right there? I mean, I mean, for me, it's the it's the whole match is incredible, but it's when someone like the, the fact that Miko Satomura had never been pinned in the UK until that moment is actually huge, like is is massive when you think about it. The fact that she'd been in the ring with the likes of Pete Dunne and still had never been pinned in the UK, but Kaylee was worthy of that. It's that weird sort of moment where you notice that someone that you care about as, as, as your friend and you've watched them completely work their backside off to get to where they are, for it to actually be like small things like 
about or the fact that Miko Satamura would do that for Kaylee just shows how well she's done and how renowned she's become. And knowing Kaylee, she's just she's although like she's the dream killer on NXT UK and stuff as an individual and as a performer, she's incredibly humble. She's hardworking. She is so passionate. But she's also incredibly humble to a fact where there's been points where she's went to do sort of a match with sort of an up and coming or like a trainee or something of some sort. And they've been panicking. They've been freaking out how I'd probably, in all honesty, probably be freaking out if I was getting in with Kaylee or Miko Satamura. But, and she's going like, why, why are you, why are you freaking out? And I go, like, oh, but you're Kaylee Ray. And she's like, yeah, but, I could muck up. If I muck up, you can muck up too. It's okay. And like, for someone like that to not let it all go to her head, even though she's the A-star player in her field. Um, and then for somebody of Miko's out to actually agree and go, yeah, she deserves this, then that's when you're just like, okay, my pal's done really well. Well done. And you just, it's that welling of pride as well of we've always known she was something special but for people for somebody from Japan to come over here and go you're right you're like right okay it's not just us being biased because it's their pal um but yeah I could easily watch that and it's everything like from the start how, how technical it is at the start to like the 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 false finishes and the the crawling back, everything about it, the emotion when she's in the corner getting kicked by Miko, just repeated kicks in the corner, and you're just like, she's just, she's just waving about like a inside a like a like a bell, like just rocking up. It's yeah, everything about it is just it's it's the kind of match when I watch it, I go, I hope one day I could produce something of that caliber. It's inspirational as well because. They've brought the caliber of what women's wrestling can be to a new level. And all you can do now is strive to get there as well. Um, and the fact that that match has nothing to do with the gender of the women, it's just a quality match to watch. Um, and would, again, highly recommended. It. it is available on YouTube. <laughs> it is indeed and it's definitely worth worth the time to watch it is a a phenomenal encounter and and as i said i think the thing i love about it so much is the story behind it and it's that it's if you ever wanted an example of not taking no for an answer in, mm -hmm. with with so many people i know who who desperately want to get on whether it's in wrestling whether it's uh, doing broadcast or whatever they would they crumble at the first hurdle mm -hmm. and there are people who who don't have that same drive that would have been told your flight's been cancelled and gone oh i'm going home but yeah, it's that commitment gonna... and dedication respect and passion that has driven kaylee ray to the point where she is now like the longest reigning champion across the entire company in the last 35 years longest reigning female champion i think the only one that Got is no if they if they just got rid of Mula, um, then it would be Kaylee. But it's that way where, like, even... I also felt like the match had 
sort of elements of the past. Like it looked like it kind of reminded me, although all of them are very physically different, it kind of had that element of like Alondra Blaze and Bill Nakano about it, that like two different worlds in different styles coming together to make this incredible matchup that changed the viewpoint to what women can do in the ring. And I felt like Alondra Blaze and Bill Nakano were way ahead of its time. Um, like, could you imagine if they were in today's realm where... Oh, God. Again, a takeover headliner. Yeah, we're actually getting a chance to be wrestlers. They weren't told they had to be divas. They weren't getting stopped for doing dives and what they, they were allowed to just do what everybody else was getting to do. Like, even listening to, like, the Bailey sasha like, thing when they were talking about the Brooklyn uh, match and how they were keeping it secret that they were doing, like, dives and stuff because they were scared if the boys had heard they'd get stopped. It's, like, it's still, like, I'm just, what? But if you had, yeah, if they were if they were given the, the, the opportunity to train and behave like the wrestlers are today... It would be it'd be mind blowing, but at the same time, I think Kaylee and Miko are the example of if you do just allow girls to train the exact same ways the guys are to do the exact same things the guys are, that's what you could produce. Like that's what could happen, um, and I feel like that's what Alondra Blaze and Bill Nakano could have been, if you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that like. It did. It, it paid homage to people like that, but at the same time, defined themselves for the future going forward. You mentioned the divas ideology just a minute ago, and mm-hmm. it was that whole way of thinking within WWE that kind of turned you off becoming a wrestler to start with, didn't it? Yeah, like it's it's a weird sort of thing. Like my story of how I got into wrestling isn't like anybody else's, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't in love with the business, like which sounds pure cheesy, but for me, it was that case of, there was a point in time where I realized I wanted to work in wrestling. I wanted to be part of that. That's, that's what I wanted to be involved in. But at that time, when I would watch Raw and things like that, I think the closest person maybe around that time that was even inkling was maybe like a Beth Phoenix or later on, maybe a Caitlin, but even still, they physically didn't look like anything like me. They didn't have my voice. I mean, Christ Drew went over there and they sent him to elocution lessons instantly, and that's why he's got this unusual tone to his voice, let's say. it sucks because he can't win because you've got Americans going, I can't understand him, and you've got Scottish people going, hey, where's your accent gone? Oh, hey, someone's, somebody's lost their accent. It's like... You don't even understand. When Drew um, got fired the first time, he obviously came back to Scotland and there was this Q&A thing at, like in Glasgow where fans could go meet him. And we all hid in the background and Jack Jester, uh, they were asking like questions and Jack Jester was, uh, where did that accent came, come from? And he realised it was his mates, but at the same time, we just sort of poked fun. Like, we're allowed to poke fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's that strange sort of thing. Like they can't understand you, so you need to go get fixed, and you're going to go get fixed by an American elocution teacher. So of course he's got this bizarre accent now that 
to Americans sound very Scottish, but to us, we're like, what is that? Like, <laughs> what, what do they do? I'm like, that's not true. Like, what have you done? Um, but yeah, but like, even going back, like, so there was nobody on the screen that even remotely I felt like I can connect to. And with in doing so, I sort of believed that even if I tried, I wasn't wanted. I wasn't going to be accepted for being the size I am, being the shape I am, having the voice I have. Just that wasn't happening. So instead, I looked at other routes. I thought, like, well, how can I still work in wrestling but not be the wrestler? And so I ended up doing production. I went, I've got a, I've got a degree in television. Um, and it basically became a wrestling degree. After, like, I did my first two years in college and then went straight into third year at university and I sort of it was sort of bizarre because my second year at college was when I basically ended up finding ICW but the reason why I applied for the courses that I did was because I'd go on WWE's website I looked at what jobs they were looking at what, what were available and what qualifications they wanted for their staff to have so I was like right well I'll go get them that's what I'll go get so that's what I did I went and got and I remember like for my third year and fourth year of uni, like every Tuesday I would rent out this little room that had like a screen that came down and a projector and I'd watch Raw and I'd take notes of what happened and like if there was like a particular camera position in a light or if I didn't like it, I'd sort of take notes on that and yeah, like I actually found one of my uni notebooks the other day when I was cleaning drawers out and like, oh my God, I loved seeing punk at the time, like there's just like, it's quite embarrassing reading these notes and I'm just like, CM Punk is great. I just occasionally throw that in and I'd be like, okay, I really was in the punk at the time. Do you have the uh, book to hand at all? It's in my kitchen. Do you, do you Can, I was going to ask if we could trouble you <laughs> for for a, maybe a passage from the book. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, she's doing it. She's doing it. Molly Spartan snip into the kitchen to go and get her book. We'll be right back. Hey! What was that primal scream that we heard just then? I just got my layer through and I get my vaccine on the 1st of April. Breaking news. Molly Spartan's getting the vaccine. Bro, I seen the letter and was like, oh, that's an interesting envelope. It's blue. <laughs> Yay! Oh, smashing news. Welcome, welcome back. <laughs> okay. So this is an old book, which of course is very like <laughs> yeah, it's covered in like it's covered in sort of graffiti-esque designs, A4 style. Oh, by the Jovi. Like as you can see, it's like pages wow. upon pages upon pages. But oh, then oh, what's the smiley face? Oh, <laughs> this might show you how. So this is a oh, this was SmackDown Friday night, twenty first of September, two thousand and twelve, and the opener is Edge. Yay. <laughs> and there's a and Edge is written in massive letters along with a massive smiley face saying yay. So we get yay. the idea that Molly Spartan is an Edge fan. Massive Edge fan. Um 
But it's just, oh, passages. Because a lot of it is just like, it's squiggle notes of like, who's over? I don't even know, RT and LG. So this was, let me check. Hey, well, I'm going to do something that our friends in America can't do. No, this I'm was pull up the network. Yeah, 24th of September, 2012. Oh, okay. This was when Paul Heyman and CM Punk talks about CM Punk's loss last week regarding his foot on the ropes. Brad Maddox is ref. Slags off ref. AJ comes out to talk to Paul and, and Punk. Punk officially turns heel. There we go. Oh, um, okay. Punk sex claims. <laughs> Paul asks for AJ's hand in marriage. AJ slaps Paul Heyman. Promo with AJ and refs. AJ cries on cue. Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston. R-Truth, that's R-T. Oh. Uh, drink on VG. Still don't. Vicky Guerrero? Vicky Guerrero. R-Truth, who's LJ? So LJ could be... Uh, Little Jimmy. R-Truth and Little Jimmy. Of course it is. Of course it is. Vicky Guerrero. Um, offers tag team to tag with little Jimmy, throws Vicky Guerrero, R-Truth R and LG out. Um, must be Kurt Angle, media ambassador, but I put Chris Angle for some reason. <laughs> I put Chris Angle. That's really excited. Ziggler over. New promo with Kane and Bright. So this must have been Team Hell No. So was this where they were, is this where they were having dinner together? Is this where they Maybe. were at the American diner? And they were Maybe. They were kind of recreating the uh, when Harry met Sally scene in the diner. Must be. Must have been about this time, yeah. I don't know if it was exactly this, because I've not... I think I wrote a massive thing about that. But this is the new promo with Kane and Brian, so it must be the start of that. But no, but that's, that's, even, that's only halfway through this notebook. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Will you, will you promise me you'll publish it one day? No. <laughs> it's incredibly like I, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make you a lot I'm gonna make you a, a, a long-term promise. I'm gonna make you a long-term promise, Molly. Long term. Okay. okay. So we do the Cultaholic Classic Raw review uh on the podcast. Really. So <laughs> we, we're watching every episode of Monday Night Raw uh from 1993 till till the, the, it's bitter end or one of ours. And we're currently up to 1995. So when we get to 2012, <laughs> I'm going to look you up and you're on the show. You're, you're, you're in. You're in. So this it's, is the thing. So have you ever, so me and Wilfie used to just, when the network originally sort of came to birth, for some reason, if you put Raw on and you just played it, it would just continuously play. It didn't do like a, are you still watching? It just kept on playing it. So we just put it on the telly upstairs and then every time we'd go to bed, we'd be like, right, where are we at? Who's on? And then we'd put like wagers on, like, who do you think's in the ring? Who, what do you think's happening? Are we at this point in time? And uh, yeah, we'd wager that. So that was sort of what our uh, bedtime routine was for like a year. Like, just. Oh, wow. That's good but fun. It, it was always satisfying when you switch on and went, I bet you DX is in the ring. Boom. Yes. Go get me. <laughs> <laughs> I win. 
you, you talk about uh, about Wolfie there. We, this is your your husband, Wolfgang yes. from NXT UK. And what I love is, is that the way you guys got together, it's 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 part uh, training montage, part romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'd love you to, if you wouldn't mind share the story of because it, it kind of bleeds into how you decided to come into wrestling in the first place and, and through how you met and fell in love with Wolfgang. Yeah, it's a strange one because we were actually discussing it. It was that weird sort of moment where this, I'm not saying I'm responsible for GPWA, but like the school sort of was born out of this kind of promise. And like, I'm like, I'm someone, if I go, right, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, if you ask me to be in your podcast and I say, yes, I will be on that podcast. I will do whatever I can to make sure I'm there. Um, I'm just—it's just how I was taught and brought up. Like, if you say yes to something, even if two weeks down the line you regret saying yes, you're still doing it. Like <laughs> that kind of okay. Um, but yeah, it was weird. So, like, through sort of obviously being at uni and teaching, and I ended up finding myself in sort of a production role with ICW. Um, be it through meeting Billy Kirkwood to a personal project, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up there. And that was sort of, after I was finished at uni, I didn't leave. Like, that's the difference. I ended up working there. That was the job. I moved to Glasgow and everything with it. Um, But it was that weird sort of notion where there was a night where, I remember it vividly, it was in Studio 24 in Edinburgh. And it was absolutely teeming it outside i just remember the rain was it was like the heavens had opened and all the water fell from the sky and it was the end of the show and we were passing the ring beams out to the van sort of through this venue and it was me and wolfie and at that point i wouldn't even say we were fake like we were acquaintances we've seen each other nearly every month um he was just this lovely big guy and i was the lassie that kept screaming at people like can you please come and do this that was my job. Like, I kept everybody straight and he would just be like, go do it. And I'd go, okay, thanks very much. And um, so we saw, we became friends. We became sort of work colleagues. And um, we were just sort of chatting and passing these ring beams out. And I don't know why, but I kind of asked him, like, well, what do you want to do next? Like, what's what's next on the cards kind of thing? Because I was trying to, try, initially, it was just small talk. And um he sort of started talking about how he wanted to train. He wanted to coach. That was the next, that's how, to him, the next viable step was. And by the same time, at that point in time, there was two schools in Glasgow predominantly. There was Source and there was PBW. And it was his friends that had run these schools because he'd been around for like over a decade at that point. And so he became friends with pretty much everybody in the Scottish scene and knew everybody there. He didn't want to upset one or the other. But he also didn't want to go in it with the idea of they want me to coach a certain way because in his head he had this idea of how he wanted to coach people. He had an idea of who he wanted to be part of his sort of team um, and had this mad sort of notebooks full of these weird dreams and stuff and this was one of them. Um, So at that point in time, the one what he had was he thought, what if nobody comes? Like, what if I do all this work and I... I find a place to do the coaching and I manage to get hold of the ring and I get my team together and nobody comes. Because at that point, as I said, there was these two really well-known prestigious schools that had produced 
so much talent. And at that point, it was all the talent on the Scottish scene had been pr pretty much produced by these two schools. So why would they come to this new school that nobody had been produced from? So I sort of, as a mate at the time, said, OK, I'll be student number one. I'm your first student. I'll learn a different perspective of wrestling. I'll learn, so I'd learn everything outside the ring, but let's learn what happens inside the ring. And hopefully that will give me a new outlook on stuff and I'll be able to appreciate it further. And he was like, okay. I was like, so that's you over your first hurdle. You've got one. So once you've got your first one, the rest will come. Once you've managed to figure your place, I'll be fine. We'll get, we'll do it. So about a year passed from that conversation and I got this little message one day just going, were you serious of being student number one? And I was like, yeah. I said, I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it. And the way that GPWA works is you do an eight-week induction. It sees if you are physically capable, if you're going to be safe, if you're not going to injure yourself by doing this. And if you are, what, what you need to do in order to rectify that, let's say. Um, and I'll be honest, it was a weird sort of notion of being in a ring thinking you were there initially, going in fully with the intentions of learning a different perspective, to then sort of discovering for yourself that where you were was where exactly where you wanted to always be. And the fact that the school gave me that sort of opportunity and support behind me to sort of go, you don't need to look like Kelly Kelly to be a professional wrestler. If anything, the size you are and the abilities you have probably work in your favour. And at that point in time, like Viper, Piper Niven, depending on how you know her, was absolutely killing it in Japan. And she was doing it with the airs and graces of just herself and our self-confidence. And it was never that I was, wasn't confident in me. I was always comfortable in my own skin. For years, I just assumed that I wasn't wanted and the business that I loved as a performer. So I never went that way until I was in there and realized this is what I've always wanted to do. This is this is where I should be. And yeah, it's it's that weird sort of thing where the school sort of started through a mad conversation and the absolute team and rain to me being on a pay-per-view event for ICW on the WWE network as it's broadcast on Peacock in America. Like it's, it's, it's sort of this mad sort of like fever dream that I think I might wake up from at any minute. Um, and like, I remember like how the coaches were and how honest they were, like the great, great, and excuse the French here uh, while I say this, but I remember after the eight weeks, they would come and sit down and say like, this is, we think this is for you, you can go, or what we need to address. And Lionheart actively saying to me, mate, I'm going to be honest, I thought you were going to be shit. And we're going, thanks. And I'm going, but you weren't. Like, you weren't the best, but you weren't shit. You could do this. And him sort of, all of them being fully behind me and being fully behind everybody um, and co completely understanding, we were essentially the guinea pigs of that school. Like, we were the first class, the first bunch to, for them to make, see if this is going to work. Um, and I'll be like, the schools, like, 
I'm very proud of where I've come from as a performer. Like I'm proud to come from that school. Like at that time when I joined the coaches were Wolfgang, BT Gunn, uh, Jack Jester, Red Lightning, and of course Lionheart. Um, and then it's progressed on to having the likes of Kelly Ray and Stevie Boy and Liam Thompson and Jackie Polo coming into coach as well. And even FPWA, Fife Pro Wrestling Asylum, has started on the other side of the country in Scotland with Andy Wilde. And um, it's really progressed from this wee conversation of a friend believing in the other one and what they wanted to do next. Um, and of course, in wrestling, you have trust and you grow closer. And yeah, I now have a husband as well. <laughs> when did you realise? When did you both realise at the same time that there were there were feelings growing now? It was weird. Like it was I was easily like a year, maybe coming at two years in a training and stuff. And there was genuinely just one day where we went, do we need to have a conversation? And he was like, yeah, I think we do. And I was like, okay. Um, and that's genuinely how it went. It was that like, do we need to talk? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay. But what the weird thing is, is both our parents seen it before us. So my first ever wrestling out, my dad was like, I like him. He, he's all right. And I was like, all right. And then my dad didn't. <laughs> and I was dating someone else at the time. And Wolfie was dating someone else at the time. And both my mom, weirdly in a conversation once went, you just need to ride off in the sunset with Wolfie on his Harley. And I was like, I'm still <laughs> dating this other guy. You can't say that. Okay, uh, that's strange. And Wolfie's dad, I used to work in a bar in the, sort of the west end of Glasgow. And they'd come in when they were going, so it's near the Hydro, which is this big arena in Glasgow. And his dad's saying like, why don't you date her? He's still living with another girl, but the dad was like, you should date her. <laughs> so our parents seen it before we even remotely thought about it. It was bizarre when you actually reflect on it because I said it about my mom and he was like, my dad said the same. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so yeah, maybe it's our parents. Maybe, maybe it's got nothing to do with us. Maybe we've not chosen. Set up all along. <laughs> Like all great things in wrestling, it was a setup all along. God damn it! It was set up all along. Um, would Would Wolfgang be livid if it got out that he's really good at painting toenails? Uh, no, because why would that be a thing to be livid about? Exactly. I didn't know whether it would damage his his tough reputation because I know he's very good at it. He's not demise, if anything. But... <laughs> if anything, it hardens him. Because would you mess with a man who'd happily just paint your toenails? Absolutely not. Exactly. Especially when he looks like him. <laughs> Come here, I'm going to paint your toenails. Okay, there's my foot. Like, you're, you're not going to argue with that man. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What would you like your second wrestling match to be? Well, since we've been speaking about them, mm-hmm. and then it's, it's come up, um, and of course, I mean, my, my theory is the last one I'm going to keep because that's the match that made me want to work in wrestling. And it's a bit bizarre. But the second one, I thought with the other two, why not have matches that have my friends on them if I'm going to be stranded on a desert island and have little sentiments from home? So the one I'm going to choose next will be my husband Wolfgang versus Stevie Boy from Shug's House Party 6. Wolfgang believes it's his destiny, but we don't know who his opponent is here Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? The big thing about this match was not only was it Stevie Boy's return after a year off from surgery, um, but the fact that it was to crown a champion because the title had lost its owner. Um, It was the crowning the champion after the passing of Lionheart. So... It was a very sort of emotional night, to to say the least. Um, but one of them, like, apart from that side, I remember being there and I remember being on the balcony watching this live, this match live. And although it was my soon-to-be husband and one of my dearest friends who we'd helped through rehab, etc., I forgot that they were my friends. The match was so engrossing. It was so just... There was such a buzz in the air for it that that slipped aside and I just was able to thoroughly enjoy it. Like, you know it's a good match when you're surrounded by wrestlers and they're also enjoying it. They're not just studying it because it's a, a trait that we all have where instead of just engrossing yourself in the thing that you love so much that you've decided to go learn it, that you then stop reacting the same way you used to. You start studying matches rather than enjoying them. And this room was enjoying this. They were full-heartedly enjoying what they were watching. And the fact that I would go to a show, this ha- the show was on the Sunday night, it was on the second night of Shug's house party because it's a weekend. 
and I went to a show on the Thursday in Liverpool and folk were actively coming up to me going, how did they do it? Like, how, how, how does he do that? And I was like, what? And he was like, how, that Rana, like, how did he do it without dying? And I was like, oh, eh, he's got a strong neck. Eh, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what to tell you. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it meant so much to everybody there in the company. And of course, when it's a lifelong friend has passed, it's such a jarring manner. Um, to be able to not only put on that sort of performance to invoke that kind of reaction to revoke that kind of love in a building that's hurting really was a testament to what they put on we've heard names thrown about like Trent Seven we've heard we know Riddle Lightning's in the building It meant so much to everybody, but also I think it's it's the first time that of course sees my husband telling that he was proud of himself because of his reaction to a move that the cameraman actually stopped recording and asked him if he was okay. <laughs> and he was like, come. Uh, so it's 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 one of those ones where I know they're both proud of that. The fact that it was Stevie's return and the place just unglued. Even just to watch the entrances where Kaylee comes out, and people gen- there's a point where people genuinely believe the match was going to be Kaylee and Wolfie. And the interesting point is, people weren't resenting it. People were like, "Oh, oh this is gonna be good." Is it the Kings? The Kings of Catch now behind Kaylee Ray. And then the Kings of Catch came out and they were like, "Wait a minute!" And it was that sort of when they came out, it was that sort of. Slow realization. You are kidding me! You are kidding me! SOS! SOS! The summer! Is it? He's back! The summer of Steve Emily! Look at Wolfgang! He lost the ICW World Heavyweight Championship to DCT. He's another a knee injury. We have no idea he was anywhere near to compete. I can't believe it. It's I'm seeing a ghost. Billy, of all the names that have been thrown around. Not even once. Not even once, James. Everyone's minds in here just collectively exploded. The fatal of Bill, the mean city rapper. Listen to this ovation. Holy space. All that, all that sympathy's gone. Look at him, All that sympathy's just gone. I can't believe what's going on here. Trying to have a heart attack here. One year ago. Stevie Boy lost the ICW World Heavyweight Championship. We've only seen him once since then, Billy. And now he's here. I can't believe it. Look at the shape he's in. Watch Stevie not only go through a year of rehab after knee surgery and come back even better. The fact that I've seen him from the Bucky Boy days 
we uh he was he was a child like i'm not gonna be he looked like a child he was of age and he could be in the like obviously icws and nightclubs so you had to be 18 or over in order to even perform and get in the building but um yeah he was a wee boy the first day i met him to watching him there and completely knocking out the park their first match back after such an invasive injury and and surgery to just be like just come straight on the top and nobody was disagreeing just like yep yep it was absolutely killer um so yeah i would have that because everything about it was so it was really sentimental but also it's just great and that rana and then that spear just it's like a bus hit, hit steep, like Stevie and his soul leaves his back and comes back in um, but yeah it's again the fact that it's people that I know it's people that I train with it's people that have, have taught me it gives me the inspiration and hope that one day I could put on something of that calibre Absolutely um, As you, I think you put it so beautifully there when you said it was, uh, it was kind of what was needed in a building that was hurting and it was because this is, as you mentioned, this was the the show following the passing of Lionheart, and a lot of the time you don't truly know how significant somebody is until they're gone. Yeah. To see the entire world, and that's not hyperbole, the entire wrestling world speak out when when Lionheart passed, and you to see the the, the depth that his his legacy rad was incredible. Um, do you, I want to celebrate Lionheart since we're, we're talking about that show uh, because he's a massive part of, of the fabric of wrestling, not just Scottish wrestling, but wrestling in general. And give me a story that you share with Lionheart that if you're feeling down, will always make you smile. There's, there's so many. There's, people always have like a story. Adrian, let's use his real name. Um, everybody's got a story of Adrian. Usually when they first meet him, they think, He's a bit of a dick, but he was that guy that you ended up growing to love. You ended up realizing, oh no, you're actually all right. Like there's there's a difference between Lionheart and Adrian. And for some reason, a lot of people met Lionheart first and then thought Adrian was a dick. And then it turned out, no, actually Adrian's all right. But I always remember when, obviously he was the one that was brutally honest and was like, I, th I thought you were going to be shit. And from that, I remember going on the tours and it was like the first ICW tour and we were in the Coco in London. And I always think about, so when we were going these tours, because my training was always on a Sunday, I asked the coaches that were on the tour, look, is there any chance that if we get to the venue early enough and the ring's up that you can run me through a couple of drills, just keep me on top of training rather than me slipping from like being a month off essentially so they were more than happy to do so and I remember it was the Coco in London and Adrian was in the ring running drills with me and he stopped for a moment and he sort of just looked over to where everybody was going to be sitting that night and he turned to me and he went I have this picture of one day that you'll stand in the middle of a ring and you will cut this promo and the room will be silent and it really sort of resonated with the time because of course I was the person the backstage that was helping folk find their voice. I was the one that was filming 
any shenanigans and promos and stuff that were backstage and trying to sort of help people find their words to sort of convey what was going on. Um, and the fact that he had the full confidence that one day I would stand in that ring and be able to silence a crowd with my words. I think hit harder to me than I think he even realised. Like, he loved being sentimental and he said things to so many people. That's the reason why, like, Noah, like, the lengths he would go to make sure Noam Dar would make matches when he was just young and up and coming. And if he was your friend, he would do anything for you. And you would do anything for him. But yeah, that... When I think about it, I've still got to achieve that. And the day that I achieve that, I know I've done something right. Because it's that weird sort of moment where I want to still honour him. Oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, I still, I've still got to do that. Oh, Jesus Christ. I never thought this would happen. Um, but yeah, I've still got to. You've got little, everybody's got wee bucket lists that they have, and how proud he would be of everybody now who's like moved up to NXT UK, like how proud he'd be of Viper and how proud he'd be of Kaylee and how they still wear those armbands every time they go out and perform on WWE because he would have been watching every single move they made. But yeah, there's actually a photo um, that I look at often where it's, <laughs> it's myself, Adrian, Noam and Shah, and it's on our way to the Coco. We're going through London and we're hanging at the sunroof of this tour bus and Shaz, we're driving past London Zoo and Shah for some reason is shouting people like, don't be a mug and go to the zoo, come to the Coco and watch ICW and he's, and we're all sort of like, like it's this genuine like selfie of the four of us just wedged out, wedged at the top of this bus, um, just shouting at people to come to the Coco instead of going to the zoo that day. And yeah, it's so... It's such a genuine, like, everybody happy in photo um, that was taken. I mean, Noam's face is all squished up, but, yeah, for some reason that day sort of replays in my head a lot. Um, but, yeah, I still need to cut that promo because, by God, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Sorry. Ah, we did it, Tom. I may be a hard and cold, I may be hard and stone hearted for Christ's sake. <laughs> when did you get the call that you were going to be part of the ICW reboot? Um, so I was, so I technically debuted on their last match that had crowd in it. Um, so I sort of got, it's weird, like I, I hadn't actually been part of ICW for a wee while before then because it was that weird sort of notion where I realised I need to go and focus on being the wrestler um, yeah so I sort of 
went and sort of focused on that and then came back and was asked. I'd initially actually been asked to wrestle in December, but I've got friends that genuinely have said I want this on a T-shirt, but when they phoned me, I had to say, I'm really sorry, I'm going to be in Tel Aviv um, because I was away wrestling on a show with like Billy Gunn and Dar. It was, it was this weird show in Tel Aviv, but it was great. Had Billy Gunn, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Matt Seidel on it, and me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great lineup. <laughs> well, okay, this is cool. Like, I've got some great, like, I went. So the Tel Aviv show was great because Billy Gunn was on it. And for a solid year, Billy Gunn had come and done a, um, a seminar at GPWA. And for some reason, he was. Oh, he was on me like, oh, he was just constantly shouting at me the whole time. And I was like, can you have my case, please? And he was just on me and on me and on me and on me. And for about a year, I'd say year plus, every time I got off the mat, I thought, F you, Billy Gunn. I'm going to say F you because it's polite and my mother might listen. So she, she'd go, she'd get upset if I actually said the F word. Um, but F you, Billy Gunn. Every single time I got off that mat. So I ended up on the show, was on a show in Tel Aviv with Billy Gunn. I was like, I'm on the same card. Get it up, your son. And then went to dinner with him. And we sat, it was, he's, Billy Gunn is a very lovely man. He is actually a very lovely man, which I discovered. Um, but we're having dinner and he started talking about coaching and he started talking about how when, when he's coaching, he needs to decide, like, there's those he can, like, it has to be really gentle with and approach with and like, a, like, this is what you need to do, man. And then there's others that you can shout at and that's what motivates them. And I was like, oh, that's what he was doing to me. So I proceeded to then tell him, I was like, do you understand that you came to my school, was on me the whole time? Like, wouldn't you give me a break? So for a year, I thought, F you, Billy Gunn. And he found it hilarious. Thank Christ, he found it hilarious. But I just thought, and for a penny and for a pound, I might as well tell this man's name out for about a year and a half because he was on me. <laughs> and I've done the same show with Billy Gunn. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it turned out he was sound and he was actually trying to better myself. I was like, okay, you are forgiven, Mr. Gunn. <laughs> I will stop cursing your name. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, so I had to turn it down because I was on that show. Mm. Um, and then I'll be honest, there was a point where I thought, oh, no, like I couldn't cancel the Tel Aviv booking, but I was like, oh, we'll see how this goes, how long. And then eventually they asked, would you be able to do March? And I ended up wrestling my best mate, who was my maid of honor at my wedding, uh, Casey Owens. Um, and yeah, it started from there, but that was also the same night where the women's title was vacated. So yeah, from then till now, I still want to know why the women's title hasn't been put on the line, but that's something I deal with management and I'm still currently dealing with them and I'll deal with them in my way. <laughs> uh, the, the wrestling world is, is, is very different in 2021 because you've been doing stuff with ICW uh, and it's not just about the fact that it's in front of uh, no people, which must be a, an interesting one in itself. But we had the the speaking out movement and such over the last year. Uh, now that you now we're getting back into a position 
getting back into wrestling you've been a part of, of icw shows and such what's the what's the sort of temperature uh, in the in the scottish wrestling scene following everything that went down last year um it's it's interesting obviously things have obviously been put into place that would always sort of should have been there like it's it is interesting on a sense where it's hard to really gauge at the moment because we've still not all been able to be in the same room, if that makes sense. Like, of course, certain things have been put in place, but I think that's all been put in place across the world, never mind just in the Scottish scene. Um, things that should have always been there, a safeguarding that should have always been put in to help everybody, not just girls, but guys as well. Um, but yeah, it's still it's still an interesting point where we're trying to find out what it's going to be like once we return to not normal, but what the new normal is going to be. Um, I think it's only going to be healthy. I think it's only going to be better for everybody in the long run. Like there are promotions out there that I've worked for who always had these sorts of things put in place, but have now had to actively publicly announce it. Um, but it wasn't that they weren't there in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's still a strange one because when I go to do my filming, I'm only, the only people that I've really got any human contact with is the individual I'm wrestling with and sometimes the ref. Um, everybody else is in their own wee bubbles. Even when you go to film any, like promos afterwards, the cameraman's basically in like a shower curtain sort of set up with like a purse break thing with a camera through it and every cameraman's all masked up to the nines and um and even the people that are sort of there as a producers they're on like a different floor so they're like talking to you through communicate like comms even though you could see them in the distance but they're through comms so i think at the moment everything's fine but at the moment, the only person that I'm really got any t like contact with, real contact with, is the people that I'm in the ring with. So I think it's going to be, I don't think we're really going to see huge changes until we can return to proper sort of locker rooms. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll always put in the side that ICW'd always had like a, a sort of a place where the girls could go to change you know what I mean even if it's a case of this is the female toilets please change in there kind of thing um, and there was always the venues were always big enough to find their own space but um, yeah it's going to be until we go to the new normal that's when we're going to really see and be able to properly invoke change because there are going to be those who try and break the rules because there always is there's always going to be somebody that doesn't agree with something new because some folk don't like change even though change is inevitable in every form of life and that's when we're really going to have to put the work in to make sure that those who don't like what's happening don't win and those who are truly hurting and not only just exposing their souls and everything like that um and really striving for change to make it better, not for them, not just for themselves. And really, the majority of people that have come forward, it's not to better themselves or to help themselves, it's to help those that are coming up in the future. And how 
selfish it is. Self, selfless, selfless, selfless it is. It's big, big Scottish tongue. Um, because they've all gone through the trauma. We've all gone through trauma. Like I'm not, as a female, and even now with the current climate and with, she's not a new case. And in all honesty, I, it's it's... It's terrible to think about it. And it did spark a conversation. It actually sparked a lot of conversations with friends of mine, the Speak Out movement and this sort of recent event. But it was that way we were trying to say to them, like, I think nearly every woman that you've met has been sexually assaulted at some point, be it um, just a grope on the bum or whatever. That's so sexual assault it's still an unwanted advance on their body like i've i remember i I've, i once broke a phone because i had a, this guy i remember being at a bar and a boy came up to me and grabbed my bum and i initially thought it was wolfie and was a bit like what that and i looked at the mirror and seen that's not wolfie and proceeded to slap him and it wasn't until I was about an inch to his face that I realised I had my phone in my hand. So I've clocked this boy with my phone. The screens are smashing. I've just looked at my phone and went, you broke my phone. And he was like, ah, you've done this. And then luckily the bouncer had seen it, grabbed him and chucked him. But, but at first he was very much like, you're a crazy bitch. And I was like, you're a sex pest. Keep your hands to yourself, you asshole. Like, but that's not. Although it might, people can mark that off as that's innocent. That's not innocent. Mm. Like, keep your hands to yourself, and that's in general. Like, yeah, boys have been taught. Boys were taught back in the day, and I, I get it as a wrestler where boys don't hit girls, but that shouldn't be the the thing that's taught. It should be don't hit people. Just don't hit anybody. And I was always taught that if I hit anybody, I better be ready to get hit back. Doesn't matter if they're a boy or a girl. If I lay my hands on an individual, I better expect it back. So, yeah, I've just vented about a lot of stuff <laughs> over a period of question, one question. But, yeah, it's that case where it's not just in wrestling. It's across the world and... I genuinely think if you were brave enough to ask your friends and your family, like, have you ever been sexually assaulted? Some will say no because they'll think a pinch in the bum or a cat call or a um, being grabbed was flirting because that's what they were taught for for a long time. But it's not, it's not wanted. It's, it, it, yeah, like, keep your hands to yourself until you know that individual likes it or wants it or welcomes it. Like, the way I realised and I looked to see if it was Wolfie because I welcome if Wolfie pinches my bum because it's my partner and we have, we've given each other consent to do such acts. So when I realised it wasn't him, a guy got my phone smashed on his face because that's how I reacted at the time. And it's how I would react, like... Yeah, I think nearly every woman has faced up to that. And it's a difference between education and people telling them, like, like, no, 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 that just means the boy likes you. No. Like, if the boy truly liked me and he respected me, he would 
ask me how my day was going. He'd find out about me. He'd see if we actually had anything in common so that we could date and we could enjoy one another and then progress forward. It's not just, I certain boys need to get told that just grabbing something doesn't mean it belongs to you and you're not entitled to that. Um, but that works in all walks of life as well as wrestling. And again, as I say, I think the main battle is to come with the Speak Out movement and by God, we're all ready for it. Um, as well as to, we've got one more match to get to uh, for your DVD. Are you all right? Do you want to take a, take a moment? You've recently, I've been crying. I've been cursing people out. I should I've have warned been... you, this is what we do. As well as taking uh, a, wrestling, a DVD of wrestling matches. I like to spring this on people, Molly, because it's nice to get your top of the head reaction. Uh, it's nothing bad. Um, as well as taking DVD of wrestling matches, you can also take with you uh, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. A luxury um, item being something that has sentimental value, something uh, like a piece of tech that you might want to use while you're there to occupy your mind. Uh, anything like that, it's, it's pretty cash with um, a luxury item. But first of all, a movie. What would the movie be, Molly? Oh, probably mm, depends the mood I'm in. Depends on the day. Okay. What day am I deserted? A Tuesday. No, no, like, is it a special day or is it just a random day? Uh, is it my a... birthday? Is Easter, oh. is it? Oh, just a random day. Just a random okay. day. So then it'd be Back to the Future. If it was my birthday, it's uh, Coming to America, the original one, because I watched it on my birthday. Um, but yeah, probably it'd probably be Back to the Future. It's always been a film I've watched since I was a kid to an adult and still enjoy and still find bits that I like and I appreciate more and more. Um, the album. Before you oh. get to the album, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to know, uh, okay. have you gone beyond five minutes of Coming to America 2? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, coming isn't it? It's good. Mm. It's not Coming to America. It can't touch the absolute classic that is Coming to America. Like, like Coming to America is... So, there's a difference between... So there's people's favourite films, and there's some people's favourite films are like the Shawshank Redemption and Schindler's List and things like that, but you don't watch Schindler's List on the regular. Like, you just don't, because, I mean, if you do, there's you need help. That's a um, heavy film just to sit and chill out one. to. Well, there's, there's some take people's favourite films because of what it evokes or, like, the emotions it have in them, but I'm trying to compile the now, and I've still not finished it, The top te your top ten films that you would instantly watch if you seen them on the telly. Like if you were flicking through. Oh, okay. That was there, you go, yep, that's what I'm watching. So the moment I've got, it would be um, coming to America, trading places, planes, trains, and automobiles, back to the future, and Beetlejuice. Ooh. So they're like my, I've got five, but I'm trying to like think of the others. I think someone like maybe, um, Weirdly, How to Train Your Dragon really gets me in the feels, and I don't know why, oh. but it does. But there's those films. I think there's a difference between there's your favourite films, films that you see a lot of merit in, and then there's the films that you can just watch, even though you've seen them thousands of times. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, I think, my top five. 
But that, I think, is more interesting than... Because that's the film you're going to sit with that person and watch. Like, you're going to chill out and chat, and that could be in the background. Yeah. You don't, you yeah. have to have those films like that, don't you, where you can just put yeah. them on and do that. But Back to the Future, you're going to go for on this occasion? Yeah. I would say as an all-rounder, all Back right. to the Future. How about your album? That one's so hard. Because I was a mad, like... I'm a mad metal scene kid at heart. So am I going to get sentimental or am I going to get what my heart, my soul says? Mm. Oh, this is so hard. I don't like this question. It's so <laughs> difficult. What, what's, a, what's a recent album that you've fallen in love with? Um, oh, um, oh, probably the re- most recent Ghost album. Like, I love myself a bit of Ghost. I like a bit of theatrics. don't know if they can tell. Um, but, yeah, anything really Ghost-wise is incredible, but I don't think I deserve myself with that. But then I'm like, do I go to like my teenage years where um, I'm like a bit of My Chemical Romance, The Three Cheers of Sweet Revenge, because that's one of my my tops. Like that's definitely my top five. But then do I go to like childhood and go into like the greats of like um, Total Madness, it was called, and it was like the top hits of Madness because I'd listen to that with my dad. Or do I listen? Or do I go for ELO's any uh, ELO albums because I'd listen to that with my dad? Oh, god damn it! Um, <laughs> like music's such a big thing. Mm. A lot of people. I don't know if this will help your uh, your suggestion. Long. A lot of people like to pick an album which has got like a bit of a variety of of sounds to it. So, like, if you, you know, so, you know, off the top of my head, Stevie Wonder's Hotter Than July is an album that's got a, a nice cross-section of styles and sounds and smells and feels and, and, and something like that might do it. So maybe a metal album that's got a bit of a, a smorgasbord. If well, that's the thing. Like, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is, is, like, so I really love concept albums. So, like, Three Cheers, every, all my Chemical Romance albums are concept albums. They're all, they all tell a story. So, yeah, sack it. Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge by My Chemical Romance because I'm a big emo that had a giant fringe and ridiculous eyeliner as a teenager. And it tells me a story of love and revenge. And that's kind of what wrestling is. Mm. It's a bit of love and revenge. Um, so yeah, let's go. Let's let's go with that. That's no, fun. Yeah. <laughs> how about a luxury item? What do you reckon for a luxury item? I mean, if I was being in my survival mode, I'd want a mirror so that I can reflect up for boats, not for vanity. But if I was to go for like sentimental, it'd be my cuddly toy called Sammy. That I've had since oh. I was five or six. My mum swears that it's hers, but it's not. It's my Sammy's mine. Um, uh, tell us the story of Sammy. Where does Sammy my, come from? So my dad won it for my mum on one of those, you know, those um, 
I don't know what they're called, like the grand national things where you throw the ball and it pops in the hole and the camels or the horses move. Oh, it makes them move the more you do the thing. You throw the ball, yes. Yeah. So if yeah. you get it in the three, it goes up by three. If you do it... Um, it's like a game you got on the seaside, isn't it? Where you're... Yeah. In Denmark, there's a special name for it in Denmark. And um, Oh, God, what's the name? Galloping. It's called Galloping in Denmark, right? So this game's called Galloping. And I remember that because I was in Denmark and I really was, for some reason, I walked in and was like just killing it with this game. I think it's <laughs> lots of practice. And there was these Danish people going like, what? Where's she comfy? And I was just like, move. Um, but yeah, he won Sammy and for my mum. And then she, my mum would say to me like, right, okay, you can cuddle it during the holiday. And I've never stopped cuddling it. It was one of those things that I, when me and Wolfie got together, went, if you're having me, you're having Sammy too. And on occasion, you'll try and hide Sammy. And that causes World War Three. Where's Sammy? Where's Sammy? Because he's always said that he's going to send it back to my mum. And I'm like, no, you're no. No, you're no. Where's um, the most sinister place that Wolfie's hidden Sammy? Uh, no, my dad no, did something similar with my mum's cuddly dog. And and the, the the best one was he one day got a very early in the morning, got a ladder, went outside to the tree outside our house and duct taped him to the top of the tree. Like Shh. commitment to Tom, being an arsehole. Tom, Tom. <laughs> you understand if you give these ideas to Wolfie, you do it. like you'll go and do some mad... Oh, no. Like he's like, and I mean, like he's just hidden it in normal places, and I get upset. So, no, he's not allowed to duct tape it to trees. Don't do this to me. But is there somewhere? Is there somewhere where he has hidden him that's uh, that's pretty terrifying? Not that it's anything like terrifying. He's always put it in like awkward places that I can't reach. So, like we've got rails for our clothes, and he'll shove it up the top, and I need to go and like get ladders to get it down, or. He'll hide it. He's hidden it under the bed. When I say under the bed, I mean like lifted up this big mattress, hid it on the inside of the bed, locked it so I can't find it. He's, well, it's a toss up between hiding Sammy and finding Woody. We've got a Woody doll that he likes to move around the house. And you'll sometimes like, I'll go for a shower and all of a sudden Woody's inappropriately hanging from like a fitting in the bathroom. And I'm like, Woody, you creeping. Hiding Sammy and finding Woody. So let's get to your third and final match then. So uh, Wrestle Queen Dub has been represented. Shug's House Party has been represented. What's your last one going to be, Molly? Okay. <laughs> okay. This is the one that most people go, what? So it is ECW's November to Remember 2000 with the, the main event being a double Jeopardy match against, so it's Sandman versus Steve Carino and Just Incredible versus Jerry Lynn. Uh, the match happens in Illinois, so it's a very sort of rambunctious crowd. Um, the premise of the match is um, Sandman can only pin Steve Carino and vice versa, and Just Incredible can only pin Jerry Lynn and vice versa. They can interact with each other, but they're obviously not allowed to pin one another. And then once those two matches have decided, it then goes on to who goes to get the championship. But remember, the 
for me, a man with two PhDs. How do you think Sandman can figure this out? He's just gonna hit everything that moves. The booking of it is absolute lunacy. And it's 100%. I think if I ever went to a promotion and they tried to put this on me, I'd be like, oh, I do they think they're Paul Heyman? Because, of course, this came from the mind of Paul Heyman. Um, but there's a moment in that match that was the point where I just went, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to work. I want to create that. And it's the point where... Going into that, the favorite, the crowd favorites were Sandman and Jerry Lynn. Because of course Jerry Lynn's a favorite going in, it's Jerry Lynn. But I personally, oh my God, I love Steve Carino. Like, I love Steve Carino to a really silly point. Like, I love Steve Carino. He was CM Punk before CM Punk was CM Punk. Like when you see him walking out, you think, is that CM Punk? Because it's ridiculous how much, like, ROH Punk looks like Steve Carino, like, back in the 2000s. But there's a point where, in the match, the match has all happened. Obviously, like, um, Just Incredible comes out with Francine. I hate Justin. I, I hated Just Incredible. I also hate Cyrus, so I'm having a field day with Don Callister now. Because I heard him when it was cool. Jesus Christ. Like, like my you friend were in the beginning, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Cyrus. Oh, I'm trying not to swear because I know my mum will listen to this. Um, but, yeah, so... So, Jussie Carroll comes out with Francine and she's got this, like, weird lingerie, just her pants and a pair of heels and she can't even walk in the heels, which I always find funny because she's... She's kind of walking these heels. But later, um, obviously, Steve, Jerry Lynn comes out and Jerry Lynn's just Jerry Lynn and he's cool as anything. And then Steve Carino comes out with uh, Don Marie and Jack Victory. And the reason why I'm like, Francine's only wearing those heels because Don Marie can walk in those heels. And she's trying to be the same height. And you're like, why are you doing this? You can't walk in them. Stop it. Um, but then, obviously, the match started... Sandman's nowhere to be seen, like because of course he's not. Uh, so the match starts with just incredible and Jerry Lynn, and they're doing like some tests, they're doing roll ups and pin drills and stuff. Steve Carino's just sitting in the corner, being a cool, like, cool self, and then inevitably Steve Carino gets involved and Jerry Lynn um, is getting beaten, and then Sandman comes in, and that's sort of when the match sparks off. But there's a point in the match. So the matches are going off and it's all fine and it's a bit chaotic. Like the cameramen are having an absolute, I mean, they're making their money. Like this is them earning their keep. <laughs> and I'm trying to like, obviously, everybody's in the crowd. It's manic. Like Sandman comes out from the crowd, which I always want to know, like, how does he get in the middle of the crowd? Like, I just feel like Sandman just appears. Like, if you get a shot, he's in the middle. It's like he's just went, I'm here, folks, like, all of a sudden. And you're like, how did you get there? Like, that was quick. Um, but, yeah, so it gets to the point where the pins start to happen. Mm. And Steve Carino pins Sandman. And just incredible pins Jerry Lynn at the same time. Incredible simultaneously! Oh. Oh. Jerry Lynn and 
these are not the two that we thought were going to end up. We, they, they assumed that it was going to be Steve Carino and Jerry Leonard. It was going to be Sandman and Just Incredible. They were the ones that they had bet. Like, you could clearly see... And when you're watching it, that's what you go in assuming. You're assuming it's going to be... Especially because Jerry Lynn's came in as the champ. And he's out before the even championship match happens. And it's down to this point, And you just see this Illinois crowd all of a sudden going... Sack having just incredible being the champ again. And they all, from hating Steve Carino just minutes before fully behind them because the last thing we want is just incredible to hold that championship. Believe it or not, I never thought I'd see the day, but the fans here in Chicago are rallying behind Steve Carino, who at one time was the most hated wrestler here in ECW. Waistlock, standing switch, elbow ducked, suplex through the table. And that's the moment where I was like, I want to do that. I want to make a room full of people, a room full of adults, pause. I want them to just look at each other and go, we didn't see this coming. What is going on? Like, just this moment. And that's when I was like, that's where I want to work. I want to create that. I want to make that. Um, so, yeah, it's very, it's absolute maddening booking. But it was this weird sort of thing, just watching it and going, yep, that's it. That's the thing. Wow. That's what I want to do. And that's why it's so important to me. Although it's bamboozling and it's folk sort of just, when I've seen it, they go, what? It's not Shawn Michaels and Flair or Shawn Michaels and Undertaker because, well, Shawn Michaels is the best. We know Shawn Michaels is great. We get that. But there's moments that, like, when it hits you, you really can't explain it. But to me, that's what hit me. That moment was where I wanted to go, I want to work in wrestling, that's what I want to do. So from there, to then working in wrestling, to then being a wrestler, it kind of led from November to Remember's main event in 2000. I mean, I don't know how I've ended up on a desert island, but I'm probably going to blame rest. <laughs> so I'm probably there because it. So I might as well have that one too. In a <laughs> world, in a world where where the the double jeopardy match was booked the way that it was, why not end up on a desert island? Anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, that might be what happens once you finish. Like, yeah, it's complete lunacy. It's it's so two thousands wrestling. Like in a bottle, like it just is, and uh, it's maddening. It's confusing. If someone ever tried to book me in it, like and all honestly, if somebody tried to book me in it now, I'd probably be really excited because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm gonna do that much. But when I break it down, I'm like, it's maddening. I'd be like, what, what are you talking about? There's two matches going on simultaneously in the same ring that then leads on to another match. What? No, no, I'm not doing it. Leave me alone. But, um, yeah, it was just, it's the pause. It's seeing a, it's seeing Roman, like a guy came, there's a guy that actually has a sign that says like, um, I came to see Carino bleed. 
something like that, or like I paid to see Carino bleed, to then going, oh, Carino, <laughs> just like, oh, wow. like no, just it be, it, it's just mad and just, it, but it's that pause, it's that split second of silence that I'm just like, that, that's what I want. That's what, if I'm responsible and I'm the one that's written it, then kudos. But now I'm like, I'm the one that want to make, I want to make that silence. I want just that pause of just like, what just happened? And then like, okay, okay, right. And then our whole room changing, not even having a conversation, just collectively going, he's our guy now. Okay, let's go. Like it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was, there was a tingle and I was like, that's it. That's, that's the one. Um, so yeah, but I yeah, love Steve Carino. I love Jerry Lynn, and it makes sense to why they're two main contributors to wrestling to this day. Carino's obviously in the performance center. Carino's with uh, Lynn's with AEW. Um, Carino's the only one that I've like refused to go meet because he was over for like the last takeover and Wolfie was like, come meet Carino. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I, like I'm not ready for that. Is it because you're worried that he'll turn out a certain way and you want to keep that image in your head? I'm, I'm worried that I'll just go, mm. I don't know, like, you'll just, <laughs> just melt. <laughs> That's more than worry. That's more than worry. Like I've done obviously work for like Inside the Ropes as well. And I've been able to meet the likes of like, Edge is my boy. Like he's mm. he was my poster boy and everything like that. Did the tour with him and he was an absolute gem. I've done tours with some of my heroes, people that I really look up to. Um and the majority of them, the ones that were like main stage of like who I am as a performer have all been really sound. Even Goldberg being the first wrestler I ever seen, although he's not my favorite wrestler, he was a massive part of introducing wrestling to me. Um, so me and him and he was sound, I was like, cool. So far, my world has not been shattered by the people that I, I love. Um, but I think because I knew I was going to meet them, I mentally got in this like, just be cool. Don't just go, ah, don't make any strange noises when you meet them. And okay. <laughs> so I kind of get in this zone where I'm like, I'm fine going to be, I'm fine talking to this person, just be cool. But the fact I think like, well, I was getting dressed and Wolfie was like, hey, Karina's in the lobby, and I was like, well, I'm not going there because I'm not ready. For that. Like, <laughs> um, I know I will inevitably end up meeting them, and I'm just gonna be like, because I've got like, the what there was only ever one Steve Carino figure produced. And I've got it downstairs. And I'll just be like, can can you do you, you, you have that? I mean, it's like, <laughs> like that's the worry that I just become a pure fan. And he's like, well, she's never allowed in the performance center, so that's more the worry. Like she's banned. And I'd be like, okay, bye, Steve. Oh, I'll see myself, bye, Steve Karina. Thank you, Steve Karina. Bye, Steve Karina. Thanks, Steve. Cool. Oh, bye, bye. I like the double Jeffrey match. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the worry. That's the worry that I just if I mentally go into it going like, right, Steve Green is gonna be here, I'm gonna be cool, it's gonna be fine, I'll be fine. Like I'll get in that mindset of just like he's a normal human being, he's he is just a person. 
he sounds absolutely lovely and everybody said nice things so just be cool just be cool but if he just appeared i'd be like ah! <laughs> like ah, so I, I just don't want that i really just don't want that so that's that like, makes sense i almost met edge in an airport from New Orleans, he was on the same flight as us. I had to walk past him and said nothing. My hero was like sitting on the aisle and I had to just and I felt better because the people in front of me were sneakily taking photos of him. And I was like, that's not me, I am cool. Um, so I deliberately stayed, like it was my now father-in-law had like walked over to the windows, came back and was like, there's folk over there getting photos with a boy. And I was like, all right, who did you find it? Um, Edge and I was just like, <laughs> like go talk to him. And I was like, no, 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 no. I am going to meet him in a professional and like setting so that I can be cool. I mean, for the first two days of the Edge tour, I was not cool, but I was able to sort of like I thought I was going to be cool, but my face for the entire time was just beaming with a smile. So even when I was saying sassy, sassy things like, oh, I, you stole our donuts, how dare you? It was done with like a smile that reached ear to ear. So <laughs> I thought I was being cool, but my friends advised me that no, I was not being cool. Um, so the worry is, is that I do that and I just need to try and... Rein that in. Yeah, I need to like Molly Spartan take over. Like let that sort of confidence reign while I meet me um, or yeah if the real me got out I'd, 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 I'd probably I'd never get I'd ne all my chances to ever be signed would be flushed down the toilet because a head trainer would try and put a restraining order on me no, not do anything creepy just feel a bit like hey no keep her away from me <laughs> that's, that's more the worry if people want to find out all about Molly Spartan where can they go <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> if you still want to at this point, uh, tell them where to find you. Um, I'm actually very easy to find. Uh, if you Google Molly Spartan, you could pretty much find everything. Um, I'm Molly Spartan on Twitter. I'm Molly Spartan on Instagram. I'm Molly Spartan on TikTok. Uh, I think I'm real Molly Spartan on Facebook, but you'll find me. right? I'm every image on the Google image page, so I know I've picked a good one. Um, but primarily for wrestling right now, it's uh, ICW Fight Club, which is on the WWE Network, or Peacock if you are in America, which is in 34 million homes. I don't, I don't think about that at night at all. No, no not at all. 34 million. That's nearly seven times the population of the country I live in. But no, 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 it doesn't mean anything about it at night. Um, but yeah, I'm on there. Um, ICW Bard has just been broadcast, was the first sort of new broadcast from ICW on the Peacock Network and on, on the network in general. Um, so yeah, that's predominantly where you will find me right now until the new normal starts and we are past this history blip of coronavirus, which for me, it starts on the 1st of April because I get my vaccine! Molly's getting vaccine! Look out, Steve Carino! Molly's coming! 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 